Hello there. Ray Woodson with you once again. This episode brought to you by the number six. Yes, we made it all the way to six episodes of Triple's Alley Report. And we thank you for listening. And we hope you will make it a habit through the postseason and the offseason. We will be chatting with that Oracle of Bay Area Sports, Ray Ratto, at Oracle Arena of all places, coming up. Shockingly, Ray does not bring good tidings for Giants fans, but we will hear his thoughts in a few moments. want to let you know, before we get going, about the Blue Wire family of podcasts here in the Bay Area. we got a pretty nice menu, including Keeping It 300 with Fallon Smith and James Jones. Some great perspective on the NFL and the media. And in the last podcast, they had an interview with Derek Carr that was really good. So check it out. Keeping It 300, Fallon Smith and James Jones at Blue Wire Pods. Dot com. So I'm at the Coliseum Complex, and the thought crossed my mind about the John Shea article in the Chronicle that the Giants' search for a new GM might include someone in the A's front office or a couple of somebodies, talking about uh, David Forrest, Billy Owens, and then possibly going out and getting Bob Melvin. I mean, there, there are all kinds of reasons for Melvin to stay, unless there's change in the front office, and he looks across the bay the possibility of succeeding Bruce Bochy with a, a beautiful ballpark, a team that's got money, and a chance to remake that roster. But then again, he's got lots of reasons to stay in Oakland with uh, that core of young players that looks pretty exciting. But it's a big offseason for the A's, and the A's have made it clear that they're going to try to work out an extension for Melvin, who's coming into the last year of his deal. It's one of those things that uh, that's good for speculation in the down hours of the offseason, as it is now the offseason for the A's and Giants. I'd say there's probably a better chance of me winning the shot put gold in the Olympics. I'd have to visit a Russian doctor for about a year to even have a chance. I mean, we're talking about, what, 1.7%? So I wouldn't call it impossible, but it's like uh, Jim Carrey in Dumb and Dumber. So you're telling me there's a chance. Yeah, not a very good one. Uh, again, the A's have a lot of incentive to keep Bob Melvin around. Uh, could very well be manager of the year. Some other news uh, in the offseason. Giants bench coach Hensley Mullins has been named as a possible successor to Bruce Bochy and has built up a pretty good resume. And he was a finalist for the Yankees job last year. Now is going to interview for the Reds opening. Also, Giants farm director David Bell, who appears to have a good future in the Giants front office. You know, if he hangs around, looks like he's on a good track. But also, he's going to interview for the job. And there's a stronger connection there. His dad, Buddy Bell, is in the Reds organization, played briefly for the Reds. His grandfather, Gus Bell, was an all-star outfielder for the Reds in the 50s. John Heyman of FanCred Sports reports David Bell is considered by some the frontrunner with the job in his hometown. As you know, David Bell was a Reds minor league manager before he became Cubs third base coach and Cardinals bench coach. Scored the winning run for the Giants in the 2002 NLCS that sent him to the World Series. And he's been giving the Giants minor league system a well-needed makeover. But the ties to Cincinnati are strong. And with changes in the Giants front office, it's smart for Bell and Mullins to explore other opportunities. And frankly, it could be a rough few years for the Giants. Yeah, they could patch something together for 2019 with a new GM, then do a total reset in 2020. But now you're talking about a few years after that, before the Giants are playing extra games in October once again. Speaking of October, I turn on the TV and I'm looking at Ronald Cunha, Johan Camargo, Ozzy Albies, Sean Newcomb, Manny Machado, Cody Bellinger, Mookie Betts, George Springer, Carlos Correa, Aaron Judge, Glaber Torres, so on and so on and so on. 
It's no accident that these teams are in the postseason with a wealth of young talent and power. Power bats, power arms. And it's one of the reasons why the Giants have been left behind. And we've talked about it a lot, how the game has changed in a couple of years. So it's going to be about finding and signing talent, no matter what the trends in the game are. Talent, not just through the draft, but international scouting. No substitute for talent, and the Giants need only look across the bay. We talked about uh, that and much more, including a Warriors-Giants prop bet with Ray Ratto of NBC Sports Bay Area. All right, the name of the podcast is Triple's Alley Report, and we're going to talk some baseball with Ray Ratto. So what better place to do that than Oracle Arena with the sounds of basketballs in the background before the Warriors take on the Phoenix Suns. Ray, how you doing? Well, I'm trying to figure out why we aren't at a ballpark, because it would be infinitely quieter. (laughs) Well, if it was the one next door for most of the season, you would be correct. Uh, Let me ask you, would you rather have the A's future now or the Giants future? Oh, the A's future. Um, I mean, first of all, if you just look at the roster, they're greatly advantaged by the fact that their most important players are young. Uh, Secondly, there is something that invigorates players about the prospect of eventually going to a new building. The Giants don't have that anymore because they've got their building. So, you know, the Giants are sort of the establishment house and the A's basically have a future ahead of them that they can define pretty much any way they want. So I think in that way, you know, their future is their future is preferable. I mean, the Giants are the great cash cow, but at some point you decide you want something other than milk. Well, uh, chocolate milk, you know, orange juice. Yeah, I, I, you, I, you know, builds strong bodies 12 ways, I hear. But... If you are a cynic of the A's, you would say, well, you don't know what their future is given past performance. Billy Bean might trade all these guys away. I don't sense that's going to be the case this time. No, a couple of things are working against that. One, he doesn't have a contract beyond next year. And one of the things that I think the A's finally identified as a problem in terms of drawing people in attention is the fact that fans have basically stopped becoming attached to their young promising players on the theory that well they won't be here long enough for us to care let alone buy a jersey so I think that's part of it two they're slow learners on that by the way yeah but there's something about losing your revenue sharing money (laughs) in two years that helps sort of adjust your attitude and the other thing is if if they're building a new new stadium which I believe they ultimately will either so that John Fisher can sell or that he could start reaping the whirlwind that will replace all that revenue-sharing money. Um, they have to have something to put in there. I mean, one of the things that people forget when they talk about what a fabulous stadium the Giants have is that stadium opened when the Giants were basically at the top of their game. You know, they'd, they'd had a couple of playoff appearances already. They were an interesting team. You know, they Bonds, Kent, Aurelia, you know, they had pitchers. I mean, it was, it was a team that was fun to watch at a time when they had a new building to fill. So their honeymoon, which would have been probably a year, year and a half, 
ends up being like six. And then they have the, the fallow period at the end of the, the aughts where they're not very good for about three years. And when they start getting good again, it takes a while for the fan base to catch up to them. I mean, 2009, they had a winning record after four years of being pretty much sub-mediocre. But they were drawing crowds in the mid-20s. And people forget that. Um, it takes a long time once you've convinced people to stop including you in their plans for discretionary money. Once they get out of the habit, they don't get back in very easily. And the A's have been far more dogged in discouraging people that way than the Giants have. So they put together a very promising and fun team to watch. And it took till the last couple of weeks of the season till people started paying attention. And that's because when you keep telling people over and over again, our park is a dump and we'd really like to leave, eventually they say, yeah, you're right, the park is a dump and yeah, we expect you to leave. So they stop coming. Now, they have a chance to turn that around. We'll see what they do next year. Yeah, I think they do have a promising core and, the, and their starting pitching was shredded going into the postseason. So you get some of those guys back and they could be pretty good in a very tough division, obviously. But if you're the Giants, and of course uh, the, the key now is the search for new director of baseball operations and general manager, and that person may be on one of these teams in the postseason right now. So I, I don't sense it's going to happen right away, but I keep hearing this phrase next gen that, that Larry Bear threw out there. And Larry, Larry, Larry likes the branding, that's for sure. But what does it mean to you, and how do you think it's going to manifest itself in the choice they make? Well, the problem that the Giants have is that the things that worked for them are things that aren't going to work for a lot of teams. I mean, the, the Giants won their three World Series without a huge power presence. The game is now predicated on home runs. The Giants won their three World Series in part because they had a bullpen that was solid and together for an extended period of time. Now the game's changed so that you bullpen in bulk. I mean, starting in the fourth inning. So they have to reconstruct what they do and the way they do it and hope that the game doesn't change again by the time that they do. Because I think the game, the way it's played on a daily basis, is more volatile now than it's ever been before. I mean, there are general managers trying things that are so far out of the box that they don't have a box anymore. And bullpenning is part of that. And so they not only have to figure out that where they were doesn't work anymore, but they have to guess where the game's going to be in four years when they can stockpile mm -hmm. all the young talent that they currently don't have. So they could bring in a guy who you know is up to date on all the current ideas, and in three years he could be out of date. So they have to figure out a way to stop being behind the times and get ahead of the times in one fell swoop and that's not easy to do, especially when the guy doing the hiring is not inherently a baseball guy. Well, you know what's evergreen? Talent, right? That's if, helpful. You know, if, if whatever happens in this game, if you've got talent, guys who can play this game, and, you know, maybe they, they aren't all pure power hitters or they don't have pure speed or whatever, but they, they have a lot of things that play in a game that they lack now, 
then you're going to go through all the trends and you're going to survive. The thing about the Giants right now is, okay, they pitch, but do they do anything else well? If you're going to hit 130 home runs, you better do a lot else well. And about the only thing they did well was pitch since June 1st. So I think what it just comes down to is you talk about stockpiling talent. That's been the problem. They haven't been able to do that. And I think that's job one is to commence that while you try to rebuild this team, and they're already starting to do that. Well, they've always they've always been pretty facile about getting infield talent. Um, their great failing, of, you know, on the lineup card is that their outfield is shambolic, <laughs> um, and they didn't pitch as well as the numbers would suggest because ultimately, when you look at at their team and the place in which they play, it's a real offense depressor. So their pitching numbers are always going to look better than they are. How many starting pitchers do you think will be starting pitchers for them in three years? That's that's the first problem. Because I mean, it's not about turning this around in time for next year. It's about what you do in three years and what you do in five. And I don't know that there is anybody you know, that you can go, that's somebody we can build around. They don't have a Ronald Acuna. They don't have a, you know, a Johan Camargo just to take two Braves. I mean, they don't have those dynamic young guys anywhere. Their most dynamic young player is Derek Rodriguez. Now, on a good team, you know, what, fourth starter? Maybe, Maybe fifth? Um, you know, and then, it, and then it falls off after that. So I think, you know, they, they're not only short on talent, they're short on knowing how that talent needs to manifest itself by the time they want to get good. Because this is not a one-year rebuild. This is a a three- or four-year rebuild. There are going to be some lean years. And because you're not going to get any free agents that you can paper over some of the holes, uh, it's going to be hard sledding for them. So, with Bruce Bochy coming back next year as manager, and Brian Sabian's still there for one more year, and you have some veteran players from their championship year. If you're the general manager coming in, what are you saying to the Giants about this roster? Are you going to try to make a go of it with what you got in 2019 and try to be competitive and start the rebuild in 2020? Or how do you handle it? I think because they have so little young talent, you basically have to grind through 2019 and take a beating because, you know, you're... The, the idea that going out and spending a boatload of money on a Bryce Harper, I mean, that's fool's gold. Nobody with any power aspirations is coming to San Francisco. I mean, nobody has since Bonds. Sabian said it. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's, it's a simple thing. The ballpark, as much of a cash generator as it is, it's a real, it's a real depressor for any kind of power hitter and they're not going to I mean how do you over overpay I mean because that's you you would literally have to if you were interested just to take the hypothetical in in Bryce Harper well he's not a 400 million dollar player I mean that's what he aimed for but he wouldn't get that from anybody but for the Giants to get him that's what they'd have to go to I mean when Giancarlo Stanton basically eliminated the Giants first and couldn't wait to do it, that was the message right there. That means that the Giants have to pay attention to that. If it, if it, if it was The Bachelor 
he would say, "No, get back in the limo right no, now." He, yeah, he would. Well, he, he would never have shown up for the first shot, for the first show. I mean, just there's no reason for anybody with any serious pop in their bat to to entertain that entertain that team or that park. I mean, they're going to have to homegrown homegrow whatever talent, whatever power they they get, and they're going to have to learn how to deal with a ballpark that sits on your chest. So, I mean, that's the thing. There's no quick fix in the market, and yet they don't have enough good players in the farm system to suddenly become competitive next year. They're going to win 72 games. There's, there's just no way around it. Well, that's a delightful thought. We're chatting with Ray Ratto here. <laughs> no, no, it's, it's no, honest. you are doing great, honest. <laughs> well, compared to 64 wins, well, not that great. And in case you're wondering about the bouncing basketballs uh, behind us, uh, it's a soundtrack. We're not really at Oracle Arena. Uh, we're waiting for the uh, Warriors and uh, the Suns to uh, tip off in a preseason game that uh, we're just uh, on bated breath waiting for. But uh, I think that a lot of people look to Madison Bumgarner and think, okay, that's somebody you might be able to get some talent from. Well, two things, because there's this fear that he'll get this huge contract next year. Uh, I'm looking at the starting pitchers out there who mostly the the available ones right now are in their 30s. They aren't going to get long-term deals. They might get high AAV, as they say, average annual value, but they're not going to get long-term deals. And Bumgarner this year, when he was able to get out there, showed a little decline. So I wonder, A, if he's going to command that big deal anyway when he re-ups, and B, whether he's going to bring in a huge haul. But I think you have to at least explore it. What do you Um, think? I think he brings in a good haul for a team that needs somebody who isn't going to be there for five to seven years. Because he, I think the workload that he has exhibited over the years is starting to tell at least a little bit. I mean, he's still in a, a very above-average pitcher. And, I mean, even just using that phrase is sort of diminishing him unfairly. But he is not, you know, the he's not where pitching is going. You know, the guy who just, you know, grinds out inning after inning after game after game. I mean, just it's – and as you said, the market inefficiency of paying a starting pitcher $30 million, you know – you're not going to do that unless you absolutely need that one guy to get you over the top. I mean, there are a lot of ways to construct a pitching staff. I mean, Houston doesn't bullpen because they don't have to. Uh, Cleveland doesn't bullpen much because they don't have to. On the other hand, you know, there, there are teams that, that absolutely have to, and not just because of injury, but because they don't have a, a four-man rotation where they're just comfortable – going six innings with each with all four of them so the Giants you know in in one way have the advantage that they're not tied either to Bumgarner or the concept of Bumgarner I mean if they want to sign him fine but it's not going to be at the money that two years ago everybody was sure he was going to get and two they might try to figure out a different way to use him where you know even he doesn't get to go the third time through the order and even he ends up getting pulled after five or five and a third rather than you know sort of that Matt Cain seven innings and lose one to nothing syndrome that he always was burdened with so I think just as the Giants have to redefine what they believe in 
Madison Bumgarner is part of that redefinition because what he does is in some ways passe. Uh, unless he can relocate that, that velocity and control that he used to have, I mean, I would think that he's going to become a higher-end five-inning guy like a lot of guys are now. I think that is the trend for him. And uh, the trend is with some teams toward bullpenning, and that does reduce the value of the starting pitcher a little bit. Uh, I I still think that there's a team out there, like you said, that sees him as a guy who can definitely help them, if not get over the hump, get close to the hump, if that makes any sense. You know, I I think that if you're a new general manager, you're not married emotionally to this guy either. And so, so you come in and say, all right, let's just look in cold, hard facts. What can I get for this guy, and can it help me? I think the only guy who is untouchable on this team is Buster Posey, and that's because Larry Bear is going to insist that he be untouchable. Because as much as Sabian liked rewarding the guys who did well for them in the past, uh, Larry Bear built a marketing empire in that ballpark doing that very thing. And I think given all the other structural changes they're going to have to make, if you move Posey as well, you could really start chasing people away because people got attached to the familiar faces too, as much as the Giants made them get attached. So I think Posey's the one guy that they won't move. Everybody else is in play. And the new general manager, unless Larry Bear wants to become a, a meddlesome owner, <coughs> that new general manager ahead of baseball ops should expect to have free range to do whatever he wants. Um, You know, I mean, he he can talk to Sabian as much as he wants to or doesn't want to, I would imagine. Um, You know, and other than keeping Bochy for one more year, I think all that's open too. And I don't know that there is a general manager or, or potential general manager who would want to go to San Francisco to do what other people want him to do. Not with not with what they've been staring at for the last two and a half years. Yeah, that's what I've been saying on the podcast that in order to attract uh, a quality candidate, you're going to have to give them broad powers, especially with a franchise in this state right now in this transition period. Um, do you think they fiddle with the ballpark dimensions at all? Well, tell me if Larry Bear is going to be kicked out of office. <laughs> I can't tell you that. Yeah, well then, no, the, 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 the dimensions are going to stay as they are, I think, in, at least in the short term. Because Larry Bear came to his position of prominence on the, on, the, on the back of that ballpark. He and Peter McGowan, that is their jewel. And they have filled that place more often than not based in large part on the notion that the ballpark is its own draw. I mean, it, 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 in, it is in some ways Wrigley Field. And Wrigley Field hasn't screwed around with its dimensions ever. I mean, they put scoreboards up. They blocked off, you know, the view from some of the apartment houses. But the dimensions have, are as they've always been. They haven't screwed with those because that is, that's part of the face of the franchise, that ballpark. And the same is true of the of San Francisco. So no, I don't think they're going to change the dimensions unless the new general manager can walk in at some point. He won't be able to do it right away and and convince Larry Bear that 
if you want a, if you want a team that wins, I have to be able to get power hitters, and this isn't working. I mean, and I suspect that if they're going to change their dimensions, they'll change them toward left field, not right. Mm. So Triple's Alley will remain Triple's Alley. Yeah, because it's just it's quirky and it costs more to get rid of brick than it does plywood. Plus, I'd have to change the name of my podcast, and that's a bridge too far. Well, I, okay. I think clearly that's the other problem. <laughs> so closing out with Ray Ratto, who gets more wins, the Warriors or the Giants next year? Counting postseason, I'll give you that. Oh, counting postseason, the Warriors. It's a no-brainer then. Because, I mean, I would say, barring a lot of injuries, minimum 60 plus 16, 76. I don't see the Giants winning 76 games. Mm. Be a good prop bet, though. It's a better prop bet if you don't include the playoffs. Because okay. at that point, you yeah. got to think about it. Okay. Because I, I think the Giants could regress some. Wow. From, from this year. Well, this, ter- <laughs> this high water mark of this year. In terms of wins and losses, I think, yeah, they could. Oh. Because I think in some ways they overachieved. I mean, their run differential suggested yeah. a team that was worse than worse than their final record was. So and, and assuming I, that doesn't change too much, I could easily see them going back to 68, 69 wins. Well, I guess some of that calculus is, and it's, and it's always the case, injuries, but you had key guys in the middle of the order of a lineup that was already thin leave the premises for a month or two, including McCutcheon, who was traded. So maybe you get you know, a, a decent lineup back and you can somehow coax 75, 80 wins out of this team. Well, boy, 80 is awfully, awfully optimistic, it seems to me. But we don't know what's going to happen in the offseason. Well, no, we don't. But so we it's, pretty... actually, it's lousy to bet right now. <laughs> okay, all right. They're, they're going to win 96, because okay. clearly that's what you want me to say. No, no. They're, they're going to go want. 96 and 66. They're going to wipe their feet with the Dodgers. They'll be fine. Happy days are here again. Okay, I like that. You know, I, in fact, I've never heard Ray Ratto say that, so I coaxed that out of you today. Well... Insincerity is my middle name. <laughs> Ray Ratto, NBC Sports Bay Area, joining us today on Triple's Alley Report. Thanks a bunch, Ray. It was a pleasure that I hope we can repeat at some point. We shall. Always enjoy catching up with Ray Ratto. No, honestly, I do. I mean, we did those uh, radio shows from time to time back in the day. They call it the Rays, and I was, I guess, the Ray of Sunshine, and he was the Ray of Despair. Yeah, he could be a contrarian. Reminds me of Groucho Marx in the movie Horse Feathers, where he'd sing, I don't know what they have to say. It doesn't matter anyway. Whatever it is, I'm against it. No matter what it is or who commenced it, I'm against it. See, it could be worse. I could have sung Lydia the Tattooed Lady. That's why I love doing the podcast instead of the radio. I couldn't do that on the radio. It's not in the demographic of anybody who's breathing, really. But I don't necessarily disagree with Ray. And I apologize for the previous 15 seconds. I apologize profusely to your ears, which may be bleeding profusely. But Ray's right. It could be a heavy lift to make the Giants competitive in a division that includes the Dodgers, Rockies, and Diamondbacks. And while the Giants achieved the feat of looking down on the Padres this year, even San Diego is starting to amass young talent. So the Warriors-Giants total wins prop bet would be a little more clear if we knew what the Giants were going to do this offseason. But if you're going to count postseason wins, the Warriors could well hit 80 to 85. Can't say the Giants would do that, not right now. But it's apples and kumquats. The new GM and what, if anything, the Giants do about Bumgarner, of course, are the key questions for the Giants this offseason that will explain a lot. And here's another way of looking at it. 
the market for free agent pitchers. Patrick Corbin will get a lot of free agent attention this offseason, but the market overall is kind of weird. Almost every available starting pitcher is in his 30s, except, of course, Bartolo Colon, who is a spry 46. So if the Giants decided to trade Bumgarner in the offseason, would they be able to sign a good replacement via free agency? Oh, sure, Clayton Kershaw if he opts out. But what the Giants have to look at is this. There are not a lot of quality alternatives out there via free agency. Maybe they'd have to replace via trade. And the market for starting pitchers is changing. Like me, many GMs blanch at the idea of long-term deals for any pitcher, much less one in their 30s. And I don't blanch too often. And with bullpenning, starting pitchers are being devalued by some teams anyway. So maybe not as much urgency to trade Mad Bum in the fear that he'd get a huge contract down the road. You know, a couple of years ago, we'd all say, oh yeah, Bumgarner's going to get $30 million. That's not a sure bet now. Things have changed quite a bit. On the flip side, as Ray Ratto mentioned, a team living in the now looks at the relative bargain of Bumgarner at $12 million for next year. And the fact that he's still above average, even as he's just a five or six inning guy, plus his postseason resume, that makes him a catch. Bumgarner has a limited no-trade clause, by the way. He can block deals to eight teams. He says he wants to stay. But we will not know the answer to his future till the Giants find a new GM. And as his executive vice president, Larry Barra, has said, they're not going to rush it. And that person may be connected with one of the teams of the playoffs now. And Barra also says if the search overlaps with the general manager meetings, November 6th through the 8th, Brian Sabian could represent the club. We do know one name that is out, Ben Charrington, who apparently is happy to remain vice president of baseball operations for the Blue Jays, or at least happier than trying to rehabilitate the Giants. But for now, keep an eye on the clubs that are bounced from the playoffs this week, and they will yield candidates. One more thing, uh, Larry Bear sent a letter to Giants fans just as our podcast dropped last week, but I have been getting some feedback from fans via social media. And among the changes coming up, a new ticket exchange program for season ticket holders and a 20% discount on all food, beverage, and merchandise purchases at concession stands. Uh, There was mostly positive reaction to the proposed, actually the planned, earlier start times for Monday through Thursday games at 6.45 so families can get home at a decent hour. Also, you won't see as many games on TV with seagulls crowding the screen and empty seats in the later innings. And maybe the East Coast pays a bit more attention. We mentioned this last week as Dodger fans showed up in droves for the final uh, regular season series. Season ticket holders making a few bucks back by selling it to incoming fans. It's a certainty in the economy of a lost season. Plus, prices dropped on the secondary market. That's a point that a couple of season ticket holders uh, made to me. So some season ticket holders might not see the value in renewing. But regardless of what is offered in terms of discounts or ticket exchanges, the thing I heard the most is the quality of the product on the field is going to be the bottom line. The Giants had a sellout streak that was probably propped up for a while, and then they descended into oblivion, but they now have to compete harder for the sports dollar. While some fans say it's time for a teardown, there is great pressure for management to sell some kind of hope for 2019 to get the season ticket renewals. A new GM doesn't put the butts in the seats. The new GM has to find players who put butts in the seats. So if you advocate a teardown, how do you propose the Giants sell the team? You gotta love these kids 2.0, or given the current level of talent, you gotta accept these kids. I don't know. 
Again, my guess, do your best for 2019. Patch it together. That could be the slogan. Patching it together and then reset for 2020. Whatever happens, you don't have to worry about the Giants' long-term financial welfare. They're doing quite well. Thank you very much. And thank you for listening to Episode 6 of Triple's Alley Report. Thanks to that little cup of sunshine, Ray Ratto, who, by the way, was wearing these screaming yellow Nike kicks. And obviously, you couldn't tell that on the podcast, but it was a major distraction, and I got to get some. We'll talk to you next week.